Flying blind is a phrase I've heard a lot lately. It's a phrase that we're even seeing used a lot. We're hearing it used a lot. People ask me, what do you know about doing church online? And I say, honestly, we're flying blind with this. What do you know about being quarantined? What do you know about shelter in place? What do we know about this virus and, and what it does? How do we get through all of this? Well, honestly, honestly, we're, we're flying blind. At this point, we don't really know when it's going to be over. We don't know what normal will look like when we have a new normal. We have to confess, we don't have much insight. We're just kind of feeling our way through the dark with this. We're, we're flying blind. And, you know, in some ways, what we're experiencing now is just an intensification of what we've probably felt all along there's so much in life that leaves us feeling like we're blind like we can't see what's coming next we get ourselves into situations where we probably should have known better but what do we say we say i I didn't see that coming You, you think about someone who takes that first drink and they don't see addiction coming you see someone that gets into a relationship and they don't see the trouble that's going to be coming from that we we nurse and and keep alive a wound that's been given to us by a friend and and we don't see the the bitterness that's going to come from that and now we're in a situation where where we're blind to, to god's presence we're blind to the hope of things getting better we're we're blind to hope you know blindness in the bible is seldom just physical. Blindness in the Bible is very often used as a metaphor for what's happening inside of us. Spiritual blindness. And sometimes sometimes it's a matter of what we can't see, but very often it's, it's a matter of what we refuse to see, what we refuse to acknowledge, something we don't want to see. We're blind to our own issues. We're blind to our problems. We blind ourselves to who we really are. And at the same time, we've blinded ourselves to Jesus. And sadly, we're blind to hope. We're blind to see ourselves as anything but hopeless. Today is Palm Sunday. And today marks the beginning of Holy Week as we move towards the cross, as we move to the empty tomb for next Sunday as we move to resurrection. I love, I love Holy Week. I love the journey as we follow Jesus to the cross, to the tomb, as we follow him with those who find him risen. And I I go to the Bible and I look at those, I, I see those that we recognize in the Bible who are on this journey with us. I mean, we, we know their names, we know their character, we, we know who they are. We see the disciples, we see James and John, we see Peter during this week, we see him very clearly. We see Mary, Jesus' mother. We see the other women who followed him. We see Mary Magdalene. We recognize these people. We're very familiar with them, but today I want to look at someone else who was on that journey someone that you may not have thought about being on that journey and i wonder what he saw i wonder what he wanted to see our text today is going to be in luke chapter 18 if you've got a bible handy i encourage you to follow along luke chapter 18 beginning in verse 35 and going to verse 43 it's there 
that we read, as he, that is, as Jesus drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing the, cl- hearing the crowd go by, he inquired, what, what does this mean? And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in the front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. You notice how the story ends. Immediately he recovered his sight and followed him followed him where well well followed him into the next chapter i guess followed him into chapter 19 because it's there in chapter 19 that jesus travels on to jerusalem we have the triumphal entry we have the celebration that we call palm sunday they lay the palm branches down jesus rides in on the donkey verse 43 tells us this man followed jesus and luke tells us that jerusalem was next There's no reason to think this man is not on that journey with them, that he's not on that journey with us. His eyes are are freshly open. And what is he going to see with his new eyes? What are we going to see with ours? I think we need to confess to our own blindness. Actually, what we need to confess to is that there are things that we don't want to see. There are things we don't want to see. There are a lot of things in our lives that we want to turn a blind eye to. We'd have to admit that at the beginning of this current crisis that we're in, we, a lot of us turned a, a blind eye. There were people that still went to parties. Uh, there were young people, kids still on spring break. There were churches that were still holding services. You know, Mom used to say, what you can't see can't hurt you. Well, Mom, I think we've all learned a little different we know better now but you know that seems to be human nature there are things we don't want to see there are things we don't want to admit and we don't want to deal with just before this story jesus was telling the disciples just right before we get to this passage jesus was telling the disciples that they were going to jerusalem that he would be handed over, that he would be tortured, that he would be killed, and on the third day he would rise again. And in the verse right before we hear about the blind man, right before we learn about this man, verse 34 says of the disciples, but they understood none of these things. The saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. They didn't want to hear it. Uh, They didn't want to see it. They didn't want to acknowledge that this was happening. They wanted things to go on just as they always had. They wanted to continue traveling with Jesus. They wanted to continue listening to him preach. They wanted to continue having these wonderful crowds flock to them. They wanted to see miracles. They wanted to see him heal people. You know, life has has transitions. Life has changes. And it's sad when we 
hold on to the past so much that we don't grow into the future. It is a, it is a very difficult time when, we've, when we discover we've left our hope in the past and we're blind to what God has in front of us. There are things we don't want to see. Sometimes, sometimes that's about us. Sometimes that's about other people, though. Look at verses 38 and 39 again. The, the blind man cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then verse 39 says, those who were in the front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. Let me ask you a couple of questions and feel free to respond to your screen. Feel free to shout out the answers. I think you'll get this. Those in the front rebuked him. Who do you suppose was in the front of that crowd with Jesus? Who do you suppose was leading that crowd? Who would that have been? It would have been the disciples, wouldn't it? You know, just uh, we know that they were jockeying for position. We know that they were trying to be on Jesus's right hand and they wanted to be on his left hand. They wanted to be his top dogs. They wanted to be right there with him. They knew Jesus best after all. They were his best friends. Pick me, Jesus. Pick me for your right hand. Pick me for your left hand. And yet, when this blind man cries out for Jesus, they rebuke him. They tell him to be quiet. They treat him like an annoyance. Wouldn't they have loved to see what Jesus could do for this man? Wouldn't they have loved to see this man healed? If you go back to the very beginning of the Gospel of Luke, you go back to chapter 4. Jesus is preaching in his hometown. Remember that? Jesus preaching in his hometown. And he announces his ministry. And as he's announcing his ministry, he's reading from the prophet Isaiah. And what does Jesus read there in his home synagogue? In chapter 4, verse 18, he reads, He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. The disciples knew that. They had to know that they had to know that that giving the blind back their sight was a hallmark of jesus's ministry that it was it was key to understanding who he was and the promise that he came to fulfill and yet they didn't want this man bothering jesus they wanted to keep jesus to themselves rather than let him help someone else rather than let him help someone else find hope they wanted to keep Jesus to themselves. If you jump ahead to the book of Revelation, it's there in the book of Revelation that Jesus addresses seven churches, seven different churches. The last church he addresses is in the town of Laodicea. And Jesus confronts the people of Laodicea and he tells them, you've lost your fire. You have lost your fire for me. They had lost their passion for the gospel. They had lost their concern for their community. For those that they were supposed to be caring for, uh, they had lost concern for their world. They had lost concern for their friends. And Jesus says to the Laodicean church, you say that you are rich, but you are wretched. You are pitiable. You are poor and you are blind. They couldn't see what they lacked. And Jesus tells this church, I counsel you, buy from me salve for your eyes so that you may see. And I wonder, though, do we really want to see what Jesus offers? Do we really want to see what Jesus offers for us and confront what's inside of us? Do we 
do we really want to see what he has to offer for others around us? There are things we don't want to see. Because if we saw them, we would have to admit that we've been blind. We've blinded ourselves to our own hope. We've blinded ourselves to the need for hope for those around us. And we would have to ask, do we see Jesus for who he is and for what he offers? Here in Luke and Matthew, this story happens right after the triumphal entry. In fact, in Matthew, it is the very next thing that happens is the triumphal entry. The very next thing that happens is, is what we've come to recognize on Palm Sunday. In Matthew, that, that's right there. And so the blind man is definitely following Jesus into Jerusalem. And it's there in Matthew that the crowd cries out, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. Luke doesn't include that in his account of the triumphal entry. In Luke, the only person who ever refers to Jesus as the son of David is the blind man. Verse 39 again, he cries out, he cries out, son of David, have mercy on me. This man, still blind, is the only person who sees Jesus for who he is as the son of David, as the fulfillment to that promise that God had made to David uh, that a king would come an eternal king would come through his lineage and yet this is something that luke's been telling us about since the very beginning do you remember the christmas story christmas wasn't that long ago was it luke chapter 2 the angels are there uh the shepherds are on the hillside the angels speak to the shepherds they're they're shouting out to the shepherds and what do they promise to the shepherds they say unto you on this day is born in the city of david in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You move on to chapter 3 of Luke, and Luke has his own genealogy of Jesus there. And right there in the middle, in verse 31, we read that Jesus is the son of David, that he's in the lineage of David. God had promised a Savior through the line of David. He had promised an eternal king. He had promised that when that Savior came, he would anything that was holding you down, anything that was holding you back, he would remove that. From the very beginning, Jesus promised recovery of sight to the blind. Whatever has blinded you, whatever has kept you poor, whatever has kept you in suffering, that would be gone. And so I have to ask, what's blinded you? What is it that's holding you down? What's holding you back? What is it that robs you of your peace? What is it that robs you of your joy? What, what is it that's stolen your hope? What is it that keeps you from functioning as a whole person? It, is it something within you? Is it something that feels broken inside you? Or, or is it something that you have broken? Is it a blindness to the hope that God has you is it a blindness that has just left you on the roadside crying out and feeling hopeless you know we live in a in an age of amazing medical advancement i, I read of stories of burn victims who lose their eyesight but 
They have their own stem cells transplanted and, and their sight is restored. There is a surgery that doctors are performing and I can't begin to explain this, but they take one of your own teeth. They take a tooth and they put a lens on it and they implant it in your eye and they're restoring sight to previously blind people. It, it's amazing. And how, how bizarre is that? But medical science has advanced to the point that we can restore physical sight. You know, there's no science that restores spiritual sight. There is no science that can restore to you uh, your spiritual sight and allow you to see yourself as God sees you. There is no science, there's no medication, there's no surgery that will restore to you the value that God has for you, the way that He loves you, the way that He promises you forgiveness and wholeness. For that, you need a Savior. For that, you need Jesus. You need to cry out to the Son of David. And when you look to Jesus, when you allow yourself to see Him for who He is and for what He offers, you discover that Jesus, Jesus wants you to see yourself with hope restored. The blind man is, is brought to Jesus. And you hear the question that Jesus asks him? Jesus asks him, what do you want me to do? I'm going to assume that Jesus could tell that this guy was blind. I mean, the need was obvious. You know, sometimes, sometimes we need to say it, don't we? Sometimes we need to admit what our own need is, don't we? That's not weakness. That's not admitting failure. In fact, it's, it's great strength. Admitting that you need help is very often that first step to getting help. Admitting you need someone else's help is your first step in finding hope. And so the man says in verse 41, Lord, let me recover my sight. It's an interesting mention there. It's an interesting comment. Let me recover my sight. It tells us that at one time the man could see. At one time everything was fine. At one time he could see perfectly. Just like at one time, maybe, maybe at one time you had hope. Maybe at one time things were, were going great. At one time everything was fine. And then there was a broken heart. There was a broken vow. There was a broken home. There was a lost job. And there was lost hope. And like the blind man, you've been stuck on the roadside ever since, crying out and wondering if things would ever be normal again. And then along comes Jesus. Along comes hope. Along comes Jesus, and we are confronted with our hopelessness. And we find the miracle that we need. Verse 42, Jesus said to him, Recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. The difference from the first verse, from verse 35, and the last verse, verse 43, the difference is amazing. The difference is very clear. That first verse, he's on the roadside. He is blind. He is a beggar. He's begging. And he goes from that from being blind. In the last verse, he goes from being blind to fully restored. He goes from sitting on the roadside going nowhere to now following Jesus to moving ahead. He goes from the pain of abandonment to glorifying God. 
And you look at even the changes in others. Going from pity, from pitying him, to throwing a few coins at him, to the very last verse says that all who saw him praised God. Can you see the hope that you need? Jesus stands ready to open your eyes. Whatever it is in your life that has caused you to say this is, this is hopeless, whatever it is that, that, that looks hopeless to you, whether it's a relationship, whether it's, whether it's a job or the lack of a job, whether it's an attitude that you're ready to admit or, or, or whether it's an addiction, whatever it is that looks hopeless to you, ask yourself, is this, is this what I see? Or is this what Jesus sees? Are you seeing yourself the way Jesus does? Are you seeing yourself with hope restored? You know, Luke tells us that immediately after he recovered his sight, he followed Jesus. This formerly blind man was in for a very long week as he follows Jesus, as he follows him to Jerusalem. He follows them to the lowering of the palm branches, the raising of the hosannas, and all the excitement on that Sunday. He follows them to the temple where Jesus turned over the tables of the money changers, where Jesus taught about the temple's upcoming destruction. He follows them to be rejected, to, to being arrested, to being beaten, to being crucified. I, I want to believe, I really want to believe that he was there that he was among those who followed Jesus all through that. I want to believe that he was among those who followed him to the resurrection. I want to believe that he was among those who knew that hope. Luke concludes his gospel with the story of two men walking to Emmaus after the resurrection on, on that Sunday. And, and these men are sad. They are confused. They are hopeless. And Jesus comes alongside them, but they are kept from recognizing him. They don't recognize him. And Luke tells us that beginning with Moses and, and all the prophets, Jesus told them all the things concerning him in Scripture. He told them how the Scripture was, was about him. And as you remember the story, as they came to a place to stop for the night, they invited Jesus to stay with them. They shared a meal. Jesus broke the bread. And do you remember what it says? Do you remember what happened? Luke 24, 31 says their eyes were opened and they recognized him. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. Whatever is blinding you, whatever is blinding you to the hope that Jesus has for you, whatever is blinding you from ever moving on beyond the place where you are stuck Right now, Jesus has hope for you. He calls you to look to Him. He calls you to find your hope in Him. If you have communion ready, I'd love for us to take it together here in just a moment or two. Whether you've got some crackers or some bread or some juice of any kind, we would love to do this together here in just a moment. We're going to have one last song before the worship video closes but right now as we prepare our hearts to take together let's pray oh father any other year 
any other year, we would be waving palm branches in here. We would be singing hosannas. We would be shouting and, and declaring Jesus as our Savior. And this year, we can't be together waving the palms. And so we declare who Jesus is by the way we care for others, by the kindness that we show, by the way we love, by the way we show compassion. Father, there are those that we know who are on our hearts. There are those who are living without hope. And that is a horrible way to live. And so I pray that like Jesus, we would reach out to them, just as Jesus called out for the blind man to come to him, that we would reach out to them, that we would seek to restore their hope and remove their blindness to who you are and who you see them becoming. Father, Palm Sunday reminds us of the journey that your son took for us, the journey that took him to the cross, just as the bread and the cup remind us the price that was paid for the hope that we share. And the bread and the cup also remind us that we do this together. We're, we're doing this together even though we're separated. We welcome the hungry. We help welcome those who are thirsty for hope. And as we take today, we ask your blessing on those who take with us. We pray that they would encounter your son, that they would encounter Jesus, and that they would encounter the hope that you have for them. Thank you for your amazing love. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.